بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم in the name of Allah the most beneficent the most merciful i testify that there is no true god worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is Allah's true slave and messenger we continue the explanation of al ahkam and we have reached hadith number 40 and uh, this is all the subject here is about natural blood of woman and we have reached again hadith number uh, 40 an aisha استحيضت سبع سنين فسألت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فأمرها أن تغتسل قالت فكانت تغتسل لكل صلاة عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها the wife of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that أم حبيبة got bleeding in between the periods for seven years she asked Allah's Messenger about it. He ordered her to take a bath after the termination of actual uh, periods and added that it was from a blood vessel. So she used to take a bath for every prayer. The narrator is Aisha Umm al Mu'mineen and we spoke about her biography. May Allah be pleased with her and her father. Ummu Habiba, also referred to as Ummu Habib, uh, she was famous for her nickname, and it is said that her name is Ummu Ismuha Habiba, Wahia bintu Jahsh, the sister of Zainab, Ummul Mu'mineen, the sister of Ummul Mu'mineen, Zainab, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, may Allah be pleased with both of them. And she was married to Abdul Rahman bin Auf, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. She was married to Abdul Rahman bin Auf. This hadith subject is about what al-mustahada should do, the one who may have persistent bleeding. <coughs> so, in her saying, between periods for seven years, Uh, this does not necessitate that she asked after seven years, of course. But this is only to indicate the time period for her istihada. How often she had istihada. Because it's remote that she kept all these years without asking the Prophet ﷺ as what to do. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ in this hadith uh, ordered her to take a bath, meaning a bath after the termination of her usual period, her actual period, as uh, explained in the narration by Muslim. Uh, for each salah, for every salah, meaning for every uh, every salah, meaning every fard salah. So in this hadith, Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha relates that Umm Habiba bin Jahsh uh, 
Al-Asadiyya or the sister of Ummul Mu'mineen Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anhuma she had this persistent bleeding istihada between periods for seven years and she asked the Prophet sallallahu as what to do so he ordered her to take a bath at the end of her actual period now what she did is that she took a bath for every salah for every salah out of precaution out of precaution and this is ishtihad from her side may Allah be pleased with her this is ishtihad from her side because the Prophet ﷺ did not make this obligatory upon her And in the narration of Muslim, in the same hadith, but in the narration of Muslim, he told her, stay as long as your actual period persists, then take a bath after that. This indicates that she had a regular period known, but she had this extra bleeding of istihada. The least of this actual, the least of their, uh, the least of the actual periods is uh, six days or seven or more. And in this hadith, therefore, if the actual uh, hayd or menses uh, is completed, then she takes a bath why now? because she is pure but it's, ma- it's not mandatory upon her to take a bath for every prayer because this was her own conclusion ta'ala anha, and she took it as a precaution and had this been something mandatory the Prophet والسلام, would have made that clear and in the hadith we explained last time concerning her sister is explicit that it is not mandatory for every salah now in the narration by al-Bukhari also and also it is in Abi Dawood and others he commanded her to make wudu for every salah to make wudu for every salah and this is an obligation what does it mean for every salah meaning for the time of for the, for each prescribed time of each salah and this does not mean if she combines the dhuhr and asr then she will make wudu' for dhuhr, then make wudu' for asr. No, what is intended here, she makes wudu' upon the 
commencement of timing for the Salah. So if she makes wudu, can she pray the fard and nawafil or the fard alone? The correct opinion is that she prays the fard and nawafil. But if the time ends and another time for another salah begins, then she makes wudu for the next one. And if there is no next one, she does not have to make wudu unless she wants to make optional prayer. Example, take Salat al-Fajr. If she made wudu, and the time of Salat al-Fajr ends, and she wants to pray the duha, then we tell her to make wudu for duha. Similarly, with respect to the Aisha. Similarly, with respect to Aisha. According to the correct opinion, the end of Aisha time is the middle of the night. So, If she made wudu for Salat al-Aisha and the time ends and she intended to make night prayer, then we say make wudu and your wudu for the night prayer. The scholars of Islam also resembled the cases of those who may have continuous ritual impurity to that of istihada like for the one who could not hold his urine or could not hold passing wind they said that he should not make the they should not make the wudu for the salah except after the commencement of its time however However, they should try to minimize the impurity by using the available pads. And this applies to both men and women to the best of each one's ability. Now, we need to summarize, therefore, now, the rulings with respect to the mustahada, the, the one with the persistent bleeding. <coughs> First, the correct opinion is that the one who has regular menses 
and she also has the istihada, she refers to her actual time for the menses and builds up on that. Meaning takes a bath after this time is after that period is over and then makes wudu for each salah. <coughs> now and the one who doesn't have this regular state or she may had forgotten that, then she refers to the distinction which we talked about. If she has a distinction between the <coughs> her blood of menses is distinct from that of istihada. And the one who may, the, may have not this, may have, the one who doesn't have this distinction, then she takes a reference, the normal time period for uh, most that exists with most women, and take that as the reference. Now, when should she take, when should she make the wudu? If <coughs> this is for a prescribed, uh, if, the, if this is for a salah that has prescribed time, then after the commencement of its time. And if this is for a salah without a prescribed time, then she makes the wudu when she actually will do it. So, accordingly, if she intends to make voluntary salah, so she makes wudu when she intends to do that, any time, as long as this is not a prohibited time, as long as this is not a prohibited time. However, if she intends to pray salah like the duha, or the regular salah, the regular sunnah of duhr, or the regular sunnah of fajr, then after the commencement of time for each one of them. Now, after the end of her, after the end of the time for her menstruation, we said she remains away from Salah equal to the length of the time of her menstruation, then she should take a bath. And here she has a choice. She has a choice. Either she takes this bath and then makes wudu for each salah and in this case she does not combine the prayers unless it is difficult on her and hard 
to pray each alone, individually. Or, if she doesn't take by this choice, she may make take a bath for each salah. And in this case, she combines the dhuhr with asr. She combines the dhuhr and asr and maghrib and isha. These are the choices laid by the Prophet Now we go to the next hadith, hadith 41. The next hadith, عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها قالت كنت أغتسل أنا ورسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من إناء واحد كلانا جنب عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها said كنت أغتسل أنا ورسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من إناء واحد كلانا جنب وكان يأمرني فأتزر فيباشرني وأنا حائض وكان يخرج أو يخرج رأسه إلي وهو معتكف فأغسله وأنا حائض. That the Prophet وسلم, and I used to take a bath from a single pot while we were junub in a state of sexual defilement. During the menses he used to order me to put an izar dress worn below the waist and used to fondle me. While in i'tikaf, ritual seclusion, he used to bring his head near me, and I would wash it while I used to be in my periods, in menses. Aisha, the narrator, is known, and the subject here is explaining the... uh, The Mubashara enjoyment in fondling, but without actual sexual intercourse. So Aisha here is narrating the manner in which the Prophet dealt with her his interaction with her and hers with him the best of relations because of the closeness and love between them and that she mentioned that both used to take a bath from a single pot when they were in a state of sexual defilement and that he did not stay away from her while being in her menses but rather he used to have some sexual relations with her to affirm the love and during that he used to command her to put on a dress 
below the waist is on so that he doesn't see from here that which may repulse him or may turn him off naturally and that he used to fondle hair in this state and that when he used to have his atikaf the ritual seclusion for worship in the masjid he would used to bring his head near her in her apartment and she would wash that while in her menses. This is the overall explanation of the hadith. In this hadith there are many benefits and first the permissibility to have a bath with the wife and the wife and the husband both using the same from a single pot and from this branches another benefit the purity of the woman's body in her menses meaning the body of the woman in her period is pure had that been impure the Prophet ﷺ would not have fondled her while in the state of menses the second benefit the permissibility to have sexual relations with the menstruating woman excluding the private part and it's better that this takes place with her having a an izar a dress worn below the waist for two reasons so that he doesn't see from her that which he may dislike and thus ending up disliking her Secondly, so that he does not become inclined to have sexual, full sexual relation with her, including the private part. The next fourth point of benefit, the permissibility of the spouses enjoying each other without having the izar if they are in a pure state and this is obvious it is obvious that this is permissible for both to have sexual relations and fondle each other while naked and there is no harm in that 
However, they should have a sheet on them to cover them in this state. The next benefit the openness of the woman the companion woman Nisa al-Sahaba the woman of the companions in stating explicit things about matters like these involving very private relations which normally people will be shy of why? because there is a benefit so this is therefore the point of benefit here that this is allowed to explicitly mention these things if there is a benefit in that if there is a benefit in that also this hadith involves some benefits relating to the i'tikaf to the ritual seclusion in the masjid first benefit regarding this is the permissibility to wash one's head in a state of i'tikaf and to clean it and to comb it bringing one's head or part of one's body outside the masjid does not nullify the atikaf does not nullify the atikaf and here is it permissible for the mu'takif the one in the state of atikaf to move his entire body outside the masjid this has three types to it first if it is to be done for something that is a must either from a legal angle or a natural angle from a legal angle like Tahara if he needs to take a bath or wudu however this is conditional meaning this is permissible to do but it is conditional if he is unable to do that in the masjid for example if there is someone who may bring him food and drinks and water and, and there are uh, toilets in the masjid then in this case he does not go he does not leave the masjid But suppose, if this is possible to use the toilets, but these toilets were not clean, and he could not stand 
making the purification in these places. In this case, it is permissible for him to leave, to do that outside the masjid. The second time, he leaves the masjid and li'atikaf for commerce and trade, selling and buying. This is forbidden and it nullifies the atikaf. This is forbidden and nullifies the atikaf. Third, if he leaves to do an unobligated act of obedience, like visiting an ill person or being part of a funeral service or joining the funeral or to visit a kinship and the like here He can make a condition at the beginning of his atikaf to do these things if they arise. Otherwise, no. <clears throat> the actions of the person in atikaf fall into three types recommended first recommended and this is busying himself with means of nearness to Allah second sayings that oppose the essence of atikaf like forbidden sayings of ghiba backbiting and mischief and forbidden physical acts like leaving the masjid as discussed earlier and the third is permissible like talking to his visitors now the least time for etikaf the least period for etikaf some of the scholars had said that or said that the least period for atikaf is one day and one night based upon the saying of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu he said I made a vow to make atikaf for one night in the masjid al-haram so the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said awfi 
fulfill your vow. Point of benefit here, this hadith, in this hadith of Aisha, there is delil, there is evidence that the menstruating woman is forbidden to enter the masjid because Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha said, كان يخرج رأسه he used to bring forward his head out near me and she was in her apartment. Otherwise, she would have gone to him in the masjid. Otherwise, she would have gone to him in the masjid. And therefore, the evidence is obvious. This brings the end of this hadith and its benefit. We move to the next hadith. Hadith number 42. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha said, كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يتكئ في حجري or it also could be said حجري فيقرأ القرآن وأنا حائض. Prophet used to lean on my lap and recite Quran while I was in menses. The narrator is Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha and we spoke about her biography in hadith number 3. And the subject matter of this hadith is explaining the ruling of reciting the Qur'an by a menstruating woman and leaning on her lap. The overall explanation, Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha <coughs> narrates to us that which indicates the noble character of the Prophet and his excellent dealing with his household and in this case his wife leaning on her lap while in a state of menses and reciting the Quran and so she will benefit from his recitation reward and knowledge and she will benefit from his leaning on her lap stronger love and affection so from the benefits of this hadith first the good character of the Prophet and his noble interaction with his wife second the permissibility of the husband to lean on the lap of his wife third the permissibility to recite the Quran in this state and listening to it and fourth that the body of a menstruating woman is pure because he used to lean 
on her lap. We have spoken about menses and we have to give a brief discussion on and nifas, postnatal bleeding. This is defined as the blood which comes out after giving birth or before that, a day or two before that, accompanied by contraction. When this nefas blood is affirmed, this postpartum bleeding is affirmed when the woman gives birth to a being in which there is a human form, meaning the head, hands, feet are obvious such that if anyone sees him would say that this is human because she may release a nutfa or thick coagulated blood or mudra formed or unformed so when it becomes obvious that this is a human form and this is after 81, 81 days and over and above and certainly it is certain after 90 days that which may be less than 81 days it is impossible to differentiate the human creation in it while that which is above 90 it is certain and between 81 and 90 is possible and if she delivers after two months then this postpartum bleeding does not take the ruling of nifas and this is a, an irregular blood or the blood of istihada persistent bleeding and this therefore is not considered a postpartum blood as to its ruling it is like the menses blood in that which it obligates and prevents however it differs from the menstrual blood in certain cases or it differs in the following methods it is not to be taken as a, an indication of 
puberty rather puberty occurred by menses preceding the pregnancy second it's period is not considered in case of ila and what is ila if the husband takes an oath not to have sexual intercourse with his wife then as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in surah al-Baqarah لِلَّذِينَ in 2 لِلَّذِينَ يُؤْلُونَ مِنْ نِسَائِهِمْ تَرَبُّصُ أَرْبَعَةِ أَشْهُرٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Those who take an oath not to have sexual relation with their wives must wait for months. This is a period of four months. Then if they return, change their idea in this period. Very Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is oft forgiving, most merciful. So if they return, then alhamdulillah. And if they don't, then he is to be commanded and ordered by the judge to return to the relationship or to have divorce. So therefore, the bleeding period here is not considered as it has no relationship to this four months period. The third thing is, if the woman during the postpartum period, which is 40 days with most women, if she becomes pure before the 40 days, like when she is, for example, 30 days. Then, according to one opinion, it is disliked to have intercourse with her. Unlike the case of menses, when she becomes pure, then it is permissible to have the intercourse and it's not disliked. The next difference is that there is no limit to the time of postpartum bleeding according to the correct opinion. Maybe day, two days, fifty. However, as we discussed earlier, the menses, according to one opinion, the least for its duration is one day and one night. The next difference is the permissibility to divorce a woman in her postpartum bleeding, but not in her menses. And it does not go into the actual 
calculation of the idda of the waiting period because the idda terminates only if the born has the human features and if it doesn't then it will be an irregular blood in this case the reference for the idda will be the menses point of benefit concerning the woman the idda of the woman whose husband dies if she is pregnant if she is pregnant then her idda is the delivery of her lord if there is a human formation then in this case she completes her, her idda is completed and if there is no formation why for example she delivered for two months then she takes the idda by months from the time of miscarriage beginning from the time of miscarriage second if she is not pregnant and a menstruating woman unpregnant menstruating woman then her idda works by the months from the time of death of her husband four months and ten days so if he dies and she did not know of his death except after six months then her idda is over the last hadith and this concludes the chapter on the natural blood حديث نمبر 43 عن معاذة قالت سألت عائشة رضي الله عنها فقلت ما بال الحائض تقضي الصوم ولا تقضي الصلاة ما بال الحائض تقضي الصوم ولا تقضي الصلاة فقالت أحرورية أنت فقلت لست بحرورية ولكني أسأل فقالت كان يصيبنا ذلك فنؤمر بقضاء الصوم ولا نؤمر بقضاء الصلاة معاذ said I asked عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها what is the reason that a menstruating woman completes the fast that she abandons during her monthly course but she does not complete the prayers she doesn't make them up Shiaisa said are you a haruriya? haruriya what is a haruriya? haruriya this is a reference to a city known as harura in Iraq 
near the city of Al-Kufa or near Al-Kufa the first group of the Khawarij the dissidents the first group came to this town Harura those who rebelled against Ali bin Abi Talib and so the Khawarij were related to this city so they are sometimes called Haruriya and from their excessiveness in deen and their wrong opinion that the menstruating woman must make up the salah as she does with the fasting and that's why Aisha said to her Aharuriyatun anti Allahu Akbar Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha telling her Aharuriya anti are you a Haruriya? like are you someone who takes by the views of these Khawarij so, so Mu'adha said lastu bi Haruriya lastu bi Haruriya I am not a Haruriya ولكن يسأل but I simply want to inquire فقالت so Aisha responded we passed through this period of menstruation and we were ordered to complete the fasts but we were not ordered to complete the prayers so she answered her by that which is very convincing to every believer that this is what is necessitated by the sunnah whereby the men says you to touch the woman during the time of the Prophet and that he would command her would command them to complete the fast make up the fast but not to make up the salah and this indicates that there is a wisdom behind differentiating between the fasting and the salah but the believer takes the answer of Aisha as convincing in itself it's a wisdom because this is what is the sunnah nevertheless the people of knowledge had said that from the wisdom is that the menstruating woman makes up the fast and does not make up the salah because the salah is repeated each day while the menses repeats every month most often every month so obligating her to make up the salah is a hardship similarly after the menses she is going to begin the regular prayers and therefore she will be in the prayers and this will be sufficient no need to make up and the benefit of worship through that is not lost by not making it up however with respect to fasting it is because if she doesn't make up after her menses she will wait until next Ramadan from the benefits of this hadith the keenness of the Salaf 
to search for the knowledge and knowing the wisdoms behind legislations. Second, the obligation to make the fast, to make up the fast for the menstruating woman, but not the salah. Thirdly, holding to mentioning the legal evidence instead of the wisdom. She said, Kana yusibuna dalik. We used to encounter this menses because the believer is convinced. Why? Because the shara contains the wisdom under all situations. Whether we know it or not, sufficient that the shara itself is wisdom because it is from the all-wise. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next benefit is not ordering something despite the existence of what necessitates it is evidence that it is not obligated. Why? Because she said, we were commanded to make up the fasting, but not the salah. Just like also, whatever existed at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, and he did not do, then this is an evidence for it not being mashru' permissible. Next benefit. It is forbidden for the menstruating woman to fast and to pray. And this brings the end of the discussion on this hadith. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala wa sahbihi wa sallam. And this brings also the end of the narrations in Umdat al-Ahkam under the chapter of menses and the next chapter will be the chapter of Salah